0: I'm here about some monkeys. Hello, and episode two, one, something, something...
1: Well, I, it was 116, but I mean, who knows what it might be now.
0: Well, exactly. Time travel really messes with, uh, with our, uh, numering, numering. That's a word in my, uh, parallel chronology. I am Nick, um, and I have preempted the introduction by skipping over it. The, the timelines are very mixed in this particular episode. I'm joined as ever by Roger. You gotta listen to me. He's <laughs> doing his, uh, see, what you have to understand is Roger's a, generally a pretty boy, but you might be trying for his um, <laughs> his character actor role in this particular episode. This is a podcast, Ribbon of Memes, where we interrogate films previously uh, described by other in- interlopers in the future or the past as masterpieces. And here we are talking about not one, but two films, or more specifically a film and its remake, or even more specifically, a short, very short, uh, almost film, and its big-budget Hollywood remake. I'm not even sure remake is the right term, but we'll come on to that. Uh, so we,
1: we start with La Jetée, a 1962
0: 28-minute uh, film? Yes, right. and it's... Um, uh, it's it, it, it's not so much a film in a way it's sort of a a, a piece uh it's um narration <laughs> um over a series of still images um uh all uh black and white because uh we're in the um the 60s well um, i mean
1: let, let, let's also just bear in mind that this is this is chris marker we're talking about and mucker i don't know um probably not and- even by the standards of French experimental filmmaking, he's very French and experimental.
0: And this is a... Yes, well, I suppose if the idea of a film is moving pictures, then it's hard to classify this as a film, because there's no moving pictures. But uh, it is. There,
1: there is one little bit. Yes, the, that's true. Animation. Yes, yeah. But yeah, this this was the film he got known for, and he, he'd done some earlier stuff, but not very much of it. Uh, this was the one that got him international recognition. And yeah, as as you say, it's basically... What I think of as cheapskate animation, you know, we'll we'll move the camera over a still image and maybe zoom Mm -hmm. in sometimes, but it is basically here is a still image that we are filming rather than um, true animation in which stuff moves in
0: the scene. And it's a third person narration, so we have no sort of dialogue, direct dialogue in anyone from the film, though we have a lot of, I mean, the sound, the sound effects are really good in Um uh, spoilers abound for both this and 12 Monkeys but legette basically tells us the story of a boy who witnesses someone getting shot at an airport uh, in Paris uh, is it Charles de Gaulle? I don't think it is Charles de Gaulle um, uh,
1: I think it would be too early for that I'd have to check uh,
0: I don't think they ever mention the airport anyway but the, the um, airport uh, of course of the title I, th- um, I think it's Orly uh, yes, I think you're right, actually. and Maybe they do mention Ollie. Um But this uh, young boy uh, watches in horror as a man gets shot um, in front of him when he's come out with his parents to watch the planes. And this is in the very short period pre-war because uh, shortly after this, the Third World War erupts and the whole of the planet, in very classic 60s style, is, is rendered um, sterile, basically, due to radiation. And... Humanity then lives underground where clearly there's no radiation, but <laughs> we'll move on to that. I but, think they're no, living we did like establish you're living
1: in Cornwall. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. To me, it's, it's a worry, but, um, I think they're living in the catacombs of Paris or, or uh, the, I think it's the
1: Palais de Chaux or something of that nature, but yeah, it, it, it would certainly be a recognizable, um, environment to the Parisian audience if they
0: took an interest in that kind of thing. And it's the story of a, uh, I think they're prisoners of war, such as the war is still going on, but the, the. I, I think it's strongly implied
1: that, that there is a dictatorship, and presumably the dictators yes. say, oh well, it's obviously it's for the duration of the
0: emergency, the way dictators always do. Yes. But, um, this man is, uh, uh, uh volunteered to help in an experiment because, and he's been picked because of his strong memory of this incident in the past, um, uh, he yeah, dwells it, it, on it, this incident.
1: It's strongly suggested that this this is more a sort of psychic projection than actually sending your body anywhere. Um,
0: it's, I mean, it's, it's not it's...
1: made explicit anyway, but that's that's the impression I get. And th- the, impression... the reason he's a candidate for it is that he has this specific memory of the period
0: just before the war. It's it's glossed over a little bit because I agree it's strongly implied. You know, he's not actually vanishing from the chair that he's in. He's he's just traveling temporarily back but it there are also moments where it suggests he has a physical presence in the past um, particularly when he's talking uh to the lady in the park um and and they sort of uh well that you know they she can see him regardless and interact with him Mm. so it's basically a time travel experiment but it's not entirely clear as you say whether it's physical or mental but it is strongly implied that he's and what what they're really trying to do is, is get a message to other time periods to say, help! Yes, we're naked. <laughs> um, and particularly, you know, the first idea is to go back to the past because they can happily pinch resources and food. And I, I think that is the idea that they are trying to physically get, whether that is he could manoeuvre resources into somewhere where then they could you know like a time capsule or whether he can physically bring it back it's not clear but basically I I think the style
1: of the film is sufficiently arty that you're not really supposed to ask questions like that
0: Exactly unfortunately we're um, slightly science fiction nerdy so we do well very (laughs) science fiction nerdy so the thought occurs but yes the point is um, the past has happened they're not trying to change the past everyone's dead in the past and he's just visiting corpses basically uh, pre-corpses and I, I do appreciate it. as a time travel story, it's refreshing change to ha- not have him like, oh, I'm desperate to do this and change the way this happened. No, you're not going to change what happened. You just uh, their, their rationale seems to be, if you don't help us, particularly when they're talking to the future, you'll never get to, to where you are because we'll never survive this and we really need some help. Mm. But it's complicated because he, um, spends a lot of time with, is she I don't think she's ever named the woman in the film no. in La Jeté. Um I don't I don't think
1: anybody's named in this.
0: Yes, we have the man and the woman. Um and I kudos to the uh so I mean considering we've just got a series of still images of kind of disturbing I mean they're not that disturbing, but it's just kind of very clinical still pictures. The kind of the whispering of the the um the the experimenters in the background, which I have to admit sounds very German, um, they yeah, are using, you, you can literally make using, out some using German words. In, yeah. Which, um, uh, I, I don't know quite what that's supposed to imply, but again, we're probably not supposed to think about it too hard. Yeah. Um, but the, the kind of whispering of them. Well, I, th- I think we are, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is the early sixties, the revelations about. Uh, Nazi pseudoscience and and the stuff they'd got up to in the name of extending knowledge were were still relatively fresh in people's
0: minds. There's strong echoes of like the Gestapo and um. And
1: if you want an unethical experimenter, uh, for this sort of thing, it was clear that ex Nazis were where you went. Look, I mean, look at the space program.
0: <laughs> That's a whole different <laughs> issue, really. Um, but yes, it's uh, when when you want sinister, um, unethical. Uh, or at least amoral, um, experimenters then, yeah, probably the Nancy's or ex-Nancy's are the ones to go for. Uh, so the, in this, after many experiments, it does work. He does project backwards. Um, it's never quite clear how much he's believed, but presumably he is believed because they keep doing it, but they can't see it. They're just listening to his reports coming back, mm. but they keep letting him go back to see the, the woman. And he seems to spend a lot of his time just hanging about with her in a park, um, which or is going very... and seeing museums and things. Yeah, there's a long time in the museum, and again, artistically, it is it is beautiful. I mean, it is it is a beautiful film. You know, the sound design, the the melancholy of it. You know, I like a bit of melancholy in it, and it's just <laughs> shot through with that kind of um, feel to it. The the uh, that sharpness of the you know the post post war that the, the the post-war horror and it's not it's all just dark you just see glimpses of cages it's not all like full-on terminator <laughs> hunter killer robots uh, riding over skulls it's it's more subtle but it the contrast of that and then pre-war Paris and the soundtrack has got a lot to do with this as well mm. um it's uh it's a beautiful film in lots of ways um but uh to cut a short story short um He he visits the future briefly and it gets a little confusing then, but he sort of seems to encounter entities who have now can perform this psychic time time travel at will.
1: Also, here, take this battery back.
0: Also, take this battery, which will solve all your resource problems. Yes, this is one of the things where, well, clearly he is taking something physical back into the past. Anyway, he's then allowed to by his experimenter to basically bugger off and die because he's finished his mission. Um, it's re- strongly
1: suggested that that he's going to be executed, not because they actually dislike him or anything, just, you know, shrug. <laughs> you know, it's just what we do. It's very much in the vein of animal
0: experimentation. The experiment is over, you destroy the animal, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's revisited by the future entities who give him one last, basically, time wish. And so he heads back to, uh, an airport in immediately pre-war Paris, um, and where he sees, uh, it crosses his mind. That I, he's I don't think
1: it's that, that precise. I mean, he's trying to meet this woman again.
0: Yes. And, um, no, and the, it wasn't his wish to appear here, but that's where he ends up. Yeah. Um, uh, and he meets the woman, he's just about to be re- reunited with her. Um, when one of the evil, um, not Nazis, possibly Nazis, um, pops up and shoots him in a bit of an aha moment, much to the horror of his younger self who sees this happen and doesn't realize, uh, and this is the italicized Lovecraftian ending to the, the story that he was witnessing his own death all those years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it really. That's a wrap. That's the, the whole story. There, there's a lot that doesn't go explained as you say it's 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 artistic and beautiful um i i like laguette a lot as an experience i think it's wonderful it uh, i i can understand the impulse to remake it though because know, to me it leaves some blanks and some questions and i i my probably uh, unhelpful but my nerdy instinct is i want to know more about this i want to fill in the blanks and that's always a bad idea I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I i understand the impulse um to want to there's certainly room for expansion of this whole thing yeah while accepting that expanding it would would make it a completely different sort of story and with that, well, well, maybe we'll make a final judgment on La Jete later. But with that, we'll move on to Terry Gilliam's uh, Twelve Monkeys from nineteen ninety something, 95.
1: 95. Uh, um, So I, I think we should we should say first of all, this isn't one of those cases where the director said, "I want to do this." Uh, this actually started with Robert Cosberg, who's one of the executive producers on it. Uh, he was a fan of La Jete. Uh
0: and he had that same nerdy impulse. And, and,
1: he, and he got uh, Chris Marker to, to to let Cosberg pitch the project to Universal. They they bought the right, remake rights. Yes. Uh, hired uh, David and Janet Peoples.
0: The writer, or at least uh, David Peoples, was he Blade
1: Runner? Uh, he was an emergency hire on Blade Runner. Uh, also Lady Hawk, Leviathan and uh, Ribbon of Memes film we've done before, Unforgiven
0: yeah gets around a bit doesn't he they're all very different films and some of them are quite good i i have a very fond memory of lady hawk though i do remember it as perhaps having the most inappropriate soundtrack of any film i've (laughs) ever watched (laughs) this kind of semi-gritty low fancy medieval film with a kind of a porn film soundtrack (laughs) as (laughs) i recall but uh, maybe i'm being unfair
1: so at, at this point, Charles Roven is attached as producer, and he he's the guy who says, right, I want Terry Gilliam on this. Uh, so Terry
0: Gilliam's just come off the utter disaster of The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, I think. A disaster in the sense that it went massively, massively over budget. Well, he's and just abandoned very delayed.
1: A Tale of Two Sissies at this point. Uh, yeah, Munchausen's I mean, a, few years, a few years prior.
0: Right, yes. But he it, um, it has history Bra- of Brazil of, was sitting on
1: on a studio shelf for many years before it got released. Um Munchausen, well basically it wasn't another Brazil. I mean I, I don't think it was particularly profitable either. Um, let's See he he made uh, The Fisher King.
0: Oh yes, I'd which forgotten about was, that. Was
1: I think at least a
0: bit successful? And presumably not that expensive either.
1: Uh, but yeah, he he'd, he'd been doing this um, tale of two cities, which had come apart.
0: He's um, had his his problem. so he was so he was a director for hire, unusually for him. Then on this,
1: yeah, uh, this wasn't a thing. But where, where he came along and said, "I want to do it." This this was the studio said, "Right, we we want to hire Gilliam."
0: I guess this is our first Terry Gilliam film. Yeah, it's,
1: it's I think, the second film for which he wasn't involved in writing the screenplay. Um,
0: The first one being The Fisher King. It's interesting. I I, I mean, it is very um, Gilliam-esque, visually. I mean, I, I guess he's a very visual director and he has these, you know, he really likes kind of Heath Robinson... Clunky devices and sort of archaic, um, tech and kind of syringes and curly, uh, filigree kind of equipment. It, it, and it, it works for 12 monkeys in a way that somehow it doesn't for some of the others, I think. But we, we can come on to that. I, I was feeling a, a lot of familiarity from the visual, um, style of Brazil. It's a distinctive visual style, but as you say, it's not, um, it doesn't vary that much from film to film. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's a problem. I, I would like other to watch is, a lot of
1: uh, Gilliams, as a director, I think always goes for a very, hmm, very energetic style
0: uh, to the point of disorientating. There's definitely an element of surrealism um, to it. And, and I agree, a sort of energetic surrealism. It's uh, there's very... always something moving about. Very different to La Jete, which is this kind of almost poetic piece. Mm. Yeah, we have something clanking or clonking or things happening in the background. We have a, you know, there's a moment, there's almost surreal moments. Like uh, again, we'll we'll come on to the story, but there's a moment when our protagonist Cole wakes up in bed to have all the, the scientists that have sent him back in the mission just kind of singing around him uh, in a choir. And uh, I think it might be a callback to the singing detective because it looks very similar to a, 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 a bit of the singing detective. But it is these moments of almost surrealism uh that, that really sort of make it stand out a bit. So, I mean, the, the plot is very similar. Basically, we have um, James Cole now. we got a named protagonist. Um, see someone shot at an airport and it's a memory that stayed with him his whole life. Um uh This time it's a, a plague rather than a nuclear armageddon, but uh, humanity's retreated underground.
1: And we're we're told up front uh, that well, yeah, yes, it's a dictatorship again. Uh It seems to be a dictatorship of scientists in insofar as we see the governmental structure at all. Yes, Um but they they, they are saying in in essence. The, the the plot of the film which is you can't change it you can't yes. stop the plague from happening but what you can do is get the unmutated original strain of the plague by, so by being at the site it... of one of the original outbreaks and from that we can science, science, science
0: uh, Yeah, it gets a bit complicated then because having the original strain of the plague isn't going to help you with a vaccine is it really? <laughs> with the, with the mutated... But anyway, uh, the point is it's really, he's gathering information mm. Uh, to help them in the future. It's, uh, again, I mean, what, what he's no.
1: already been doing is, is going out above ground and taking samples.
0: Yes. And it's clear how dangerous that is. And we see sort of wild animals, um, zoo animals, particularly which becomes relevant later on. And he visits some of the scenes that he'll, some of the places that he revisits later in the film, earlier in the film. Oh, I always like that sort of stuff. <laughs> <the time. laughs> yeah. Um, so we have Bruce Willis as Cole. Yeah, and
1: I, I think this is really interesting to um, consider. The, the thing we talked about with uh, Bert Lancaster in Sweet Smell of Success, that thing yes. where a guy who's known largely as a handsome leading man deliberately does an anti-glamorous role to say, I, I'm, a, I'm a more dramatic, serious kind of actor now. Well, Bruce will... Look, this, is, this is the year after he was in Pulp Fiction.
0: I remember when you know die hard was a thing and it almost seemed ridiculous that you'd have this because he was known mainly for moonlighting at that point Mm. so it's almost a bit like having one of the cast of friends suddenly as a action hero and it seemed ridiculous at the time until you watched die hard and thought okay yeah right (laughs) yeah (laughs)
1: that works uh Um, see also that episode over there (laughs) where we talked about it at some length. where
0: we talked about die hard um but here again, yeah, he's going for more... I, I've always felt that he was a good actor. You know, he does have a wider... I mean, it's a narrow range, but he can move around in it. I, I understand Gilliam was not at all happy about Bruce Willis. Uh, I think he wanted um the dude himself, um, whose actual name of... <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> originally he
1: was, he was going to cast Nick Nolte as James Cole and uh, oh, Je- really? Jeff Bridges
0: as Goines. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, that probably would work better. But Nick Nolte's actually a similar sort of um taciturn, tough guy, though a bit more emotional. Bruce Willis, I, I, apparently he had a list of kind of Bruceisms that he didn't want Bruce Willis to do. Um, and so he wanted him to be much more buttoned down and um, less kind of mugging for the camera. Um, I I feel like whatever direction he gave to Bruce Willis to, to me it, it works well here. He's, he is a different. He's a, a scared. He never feels like a strong in control character. In some hmm. in some scenes he's very childish. That, you know, that, he's like, that's yep.
1: the thing. Pe- people who who knew Bruce's other work they are used to seeing him as the, the guy who is put upon but prevails and is yes. always basically in charge of his situation.
0: And I also what I like about. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of surrealism. See Mulholland Drive. Um, but what I do like here is that the, the the protagonists kind of react to the craziness. You know, Bruce Willis, is, his protagonist, is by turns kind of scared, confused, lost, bewildered. He, he doesn't really quite understand what's going on. And he's still, but it's not like he's, Hopeless. It's not like he can't do anything. He just kind of muddles through instead of prevailing. Yeah, I um, don't know
1: how much of this is Gilliam and how much is in the script, but there's a lot of what I think of as Gilliam-style madness here. Um, mm. You know, where, where the TV is saying this is a personal message for you, uh, yes. where it's just an advertisement saying, "Yeah, buy our, buy our holiday thing." Um, there, there's a strong impression, a, a recurrent idea that. You you look mad because you are acting mad, but in fact you are the only person who really knows what's going on. But if you say that, they'll treat you as even more mad than they're already treating you.
0: Well, I suppose we should talk about mental mental health because right? a lot of this film is about um, yeah, the film almost flirts with the idea that Cole is crazy, but it <clears> doesn't. It gives you quite a lot of evidence that he isn't quite quickly, um, but it allows the protagonist. So we have Madeleine Stowe here, who I don't think we've talked about in other films. She is the, the woman from Legette, I guess, but here she's a a psychologist. Uh, And Cole, uh, we don't quite know how he ends up in an asylum, but he ends up in the wrong year, gets sent back to 1990 in an asylum.
1: Well, that, that's uh, part, part of the point, I think. We, we do see time travel later, but we don't see his initial arrival and his confusion and whatever, you know. We, we jump straight from you're going to get sent on this mission to you are locked up in an asylum.
0: And I guess that's what I mean. It's, so it does flirt early on with this idea that actually he is a lunatic. Um, he is mentally ill and he's, uh, um, he's creating this other world in his head. And, and indeed, Cole, that's the approach that uh, Madeleine Stowe takes as a, this psychiatrist who becomes obsessed with, with Cole over time. And she actually convinces him later on that he is delusional.
1: Just at the same time as he's convincing her by saying, "Yeah, there's there's a news story about a a kid who's gone missing and is thought to be fallen down a well or something." And And he he says, "Oh "Oh, yeah, yeah." he's he's hiding
0: in the barn." I see. I that all works brilliantly for me. I love it, and I love that they kind of cross. They cross over (laughs) so that then she's the insane when he's convinced that he's not. I like Madeleine Stone. I don't know that she has, uh, um, I don't know that she's got a, a great deal to do. I mean, it's really Bruce Willis carrying a lot of she, it. She's very much reacting to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's very good. Um, I, I, I like her character. I just, I don't feel I'm kind of struck by her, struck by her character. And it, um, there's not but, much to work with. I mean, no. Competent professional
1: psychiatrist who starts to think that there may be something weird going on.
0: Yeah, but she doesn't quite have the... It's almost like the Sarah Connor role, um, but it's, uh, I don't know, less iconic. Then we have Brad Pitts. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I think this might be one where other people's mileage may vary. Um, Now, he had spent a lot of time, or some time, I don't know what a lot of time, uh, in mental uh, institutes studying you know the behavior of mentally ill people um and here's another uh, in in a way more so than bruce willis you know he's a very much a, a pretty boy ah well uh, timing is important here because this
1: took a long time to film mm. um and when they started and when they signed on Brad Pitt he was still relatively unknown and cheap
0: okay and between
1: okay. between that and the film coming out he had been in Interview of the Vampire and Legends of the Fall and Seven, and he was very much
0: he was big, was hot, hot property. So that uh, it was probably very helpful for Twelve Monkeys. Um, how so? His, his is a very um, energetic, eccentric performance. it's a good counterpoint to Cole, who is very. um Lay, lays down. He's not. He's just trying to kind of react and take. It yeah, all he, in.
1: he he w- he wants to observe. Yes, yeah, he um, wants to, wants to you know, gather information, put it together, track down the next thing. Whereas um uh Goins is basically hypermanic Goins, all the time.
0: Hypermanic all the time, and I personally very quickly found that quite irritating. Yeah, <laughs> I'm afraid. I, I I'm I just. I don't know, it just, it's hard, I, I haven't spent a lot of time around, you know, people with that degree of mental illness, or that particular type of mental illness, and it may be a very accurate portrayal of it, but it just feels so exaggerated, and look at me, to me it's like he's going, look at me, look at me, I'm acting, mm. and I can be a, I can be very, uh I can be an action hero, very good looking, um but actually i've decided to have a wonky eye and pull at my ear at this particular moment and and look at my fingernails in a in an exciting way that it doesn't make sense with what i'm saying it's, uh, and at it's the same very...
1: time we're expected to believe that, that he's uh, got this group and he, he's got some fanatical followers
0: and the followers also seem relatively normal <laughs> mm. <laughs> um uh, so he he's sort of founded the army of the twelve monkeys. It probably which not going which over may 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 well come from a casual
1: remark of Bruce's in nineteen ninety, yes. so by by the time they get yeah, because, because Bruce is basically yoinked out of the aslo- out of the uh, asylum. Yes, ah. he does
0: a great um, locked room escape. And that's how we know, actually, he is a time traveller. And
1: then the the next bit of earlier time is in 1996. So Goins has got out. He started this group. Uh, Because Rayleigh has started writing books about, basically, um, the the general sense of doom. Not that we're familiar with that at all in
0: 2023. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice, it's nicely tied in and, and the 12 monkey, the, the future, uh, the, the future that Cole comes from is aware that the army of the 12 monkeys probably caused the plague because, um, because Madeleine Stowe's character, the, the psycho, um, sorry, uh, Catherine Rayleigh has left a message on an answer phone that they monitor saying it was, it was the army of the 12 monkeys that did it uh so they're on the lookout for the army of the 12 monkeys and it turns out through the course of the film it's a massive red herring that really the the 12 monkeys are just a uh relatively benign animal liberation group literally liberation in the sense that they liberate all the animals in new york zoo um and that's their big plot Mm. uh I just, uh, it's cool. I like it. I just, uh, I found Brad Pitt such an irritating screen presence that it distracted. I, I will admit I, I, did, I did, I did find the whole thing hard to watch at
1: times because when it's not Pitt bouncing all over the screen, it's Bruce being broken.
0: So. Yeah, I, I agree. It's the, like the two extremes of, um, to be uh, fair, I feel the no same way about
1: Brazil. Um, there are some lovely bits in it, but there's also an awful lot of, yeah, okay, okay, we get it. We get it. Yeah. You can end the scene now.
0: <laughs> it it worked better for me with Bruce, and I, I think to me, I find him a more commanding mm. screen presence and a more interesting. He's very good at facial acting, I think. Um, uh, yeah. Anyway, I won't <laughs> harp on, but I I agree there was a lot of um hard watch in the sense that it's interesting and you're interested in the plot, but yeah, uh, <laughs> sometimes it goes on a bit too much. We also have um a, a sort of slightly more than a cameo for uh, Christopher Plummer. Um, hmm. a rib, multiple ribbon of memes alumnus. Um, it doesn't get a lot to do here other than reveal a, a, a peculiar southern accent. Um, but it, <laughs> it, it works well for him. Uh, the, the
1: other actor that I, I want to mention, um, is Frank Gorshin, which to some people will be an immediate, I know that name. Um. Here yeah. he, he is, Doctor Fletcher, the uh, chief psychiatrist. Uh, he, he's, oh, he's basically yes. the, vo- the voice of reason when uh, Catherine is saying, "Well, hang on, maybe this guy's actually got a point."
0: Oh wow. Okay, but he's a, a comedian doing a serious turn. Well, he he did
1: a lot of uh, serious work, um, but he's probably best known as the Riddler in the Batman '60s TV series. Uh, yeah, okay. Yes, of course he is. Oh, very good. Yeah uh he, he it was who, who was famously um with with Adam West thrown out of an audrey because they turned up in character and refused to break character
0: <laughs> um maybe apocryphal apocryphal but I love it anyway yeah um,
1: I mean the it, other it, it 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 doesn't stretch credibility even a little no,
0: bit <laughs> it doesn't. um certainly Adam West has that centipede as far as I could tell um the other nerdy shout out would be Simon Jones as, um, uh, Arthur Dent himself as one of the future scientists. Um, he doesn't get a lot to do, but it's, it was nice to see him. Yeah. Um, it, so, um, it turns out, uh, that it was a, another, uh, it was that viral facility, but it was another baddie all along who is then taking the, the virus all across the, the world.
1: Uh, in, in fact, does... it, it's a guy we've, uh, seen, seen before. Uh, he's coming up to, uh, Rayleigh at, at her book signing. Yes. And, and saying, well, yes, you know, apocalypse, uh, the apocalypse pr- uh, preparedness thing is, is the same vision for the world and the destruction of the environment is, is the madness.
0: <laughs> yes, and he's and, and clearly she says, got his yes, own. Here's your
1: signed book go away now. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's nicely, it's nicely, um, done. I, I mean, it's, uh, a classic sort of filmic trick but more likely in who done it I guess but uh that's um David Morse is it uh, yes David Morse um who is uh he's one of those actors for me at least who's like oh I know him he's been in that and that and that but um it never feels like he, he's quite a leading man but he's, he's very good here as a and the kind of psycho on the mental health spectrum he's the sort of psychopath called um calculating type. But in any case, um,
1: because they haven't realised it there in a Terry Gilliam film, um, Cole and Rayleigh uh, think, think that, well, obviously the 12 Monkeys thing is, is, is a bust. Maybe, maybe we might have a life. That would be nice. Yes.
0: They get a brief moment of happiness.
1: Uh, the, the plan is to, is to fly to the Florida Keys on the basis that that might survive the plague a bit
0: better than other places. Oh, that was the plan. I missed that bit. So, but uh, yeah, but, but yeah, they go to an airport... Uh, and, like and, and
1: then uh, Reddy really spots Doctor Peters, and now yeah. recognizes him as uh, somebody who'd worked with going to the Elder.
0: Now at this point, he's already kind of opened up his casket of viral horribleness at uh, the customs. Um, mm. So he's probably already released the plague at this point. But he's he's going to yeah, play it but, as but it, he's,
1: he's about to go on a, on a tour of multiple cities.
0: And Bruce um, or Cole tries to stop him, and gets shot in doing so. Yeah, but right there's a complicated
1: front. thing with a, with a with a fellow time traveller who gives him a handgun, and and this this is another of those um, impressions of madness moments for me. You know, here is the guy who suddenly tells you, yeah, here here is your gun. You know what you got to do.
0: And he's thinking, well, no, I don't actually know what I got to do. <laughs> and we have the recurring kind of. Uh, the other possibly time traveller who knows about, you know, the one who's taken his teeth out but always seems to be in the right place and is always talking to him. And sometimes it's just his disembodied voice and then you never know, is that Cole imagining that or what? Um, but it ends just as Leggette ended with um, poor old James Cole getting shot in front of his younger self.
1: Um, and in this case, because he's busted through the security checkpoint and he's waving a gun about.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's no kind of future sinister time traveller comes and finishes him off. but uh, But yeah. Um, And there's a a coda which I think is
1: really quite significant in terms of working out the time travel part of it because Peters gets on the plane not having been shot and gets talking to his seatmate who turns out to be one of the scientists from the future.
0: Now, is she supposed to... You could read this as two ways as a little joke in that is she the younger version of the scientist um, and when she says, I'm in insurance... It's just sort of a, a kind of a jokey thing, but I, I took it in the sense that um, oh, she looks like a super scientist; she turned out to be a pre-war insurance agent. But I think, well, you took uh, it no, I mean, there's, different... there's no de-aging makeup
1: involved or anything like no, that. No,
0: I agree, and I, I think I took it the same way you did. Uh,
1: that that this is in fact the backup mission. How they got the information for that, we don't know. But
0: but by in insurance, she means I'm I'm the backup
1: presumably at this point she that means she is going to gather the viral sample and then pop out again rather than actually murder him but yeah you don't know but
0: it, but it's a uh, we uh, the the film wisely sort of doesn't dwell on that because really it was cole's story um so it's a much much longer version of Legete with a lot of sort of holes filled in some more holes created a lot more um, energetic a lot more energetic a lot less kind of poetic it still is kind of uh it it still has the melancholy that i like you know it still has that feeling of um doom and hmm. sadness and loss that i respond to in in these films um well
1: it, arguably any any story of uh, fixed time is essentially pointless see see our, our episode on the arrival
0: uh. <laughs> yes yes And I I like that this doesn't really... That Coda aside, which I think maybe slightly spoils it, although you could just take it as, well, that doesn't work either. Or, yeah, maybe she's... As you say, they're just in information gathering. I appreciate that both of them are are not films about we're going to fight the future and it's going to be pointless. It's just... um, It's already happened. You can't change it, but maybe we can salvage something out of it. Hmm. And, And both films have that ethos to some extent. Um I'm not sure dwelling on this whole idea of you know watching him get shot, watching himself get shot i don't know if it's that compelling an idea to sort of hang two films on in itself
1: i I but, think it works with one film
0: yeah yeah i,
1: I it, it's not brilliant there but it but it at least you know it, it makes sense that we are picking you for the thing because you have this strong memory connection and that's what we need to target you to the right period his, I suppose my p- he, his memory is not really relevant uh, to, no. to why he's picked for the mission or what he does until he realises presumably in his dying moments oh crap that's, that's, that's oh, kid well, me that's, over there
0: yeah but I, I suppose my point is there's nothing more to it than that it's just you know when you get right down to it ultimately oh that's ironic and a bit sad but it, you know it doesn't have any there's not more to there's no deeper implications than that, other than mm. that sort of thing could happen with time travel. And so I don't find it that interesting in it. So I much prefer the, I don't know, I like the little bits, like, I do like time travel, and I like that, you know, she identifies that, it, that he was in World War One and he has this antique bullet in his leg. Um But to him, it's just, I don't know, it's just just some war. <laughs> I, I I like the, I like the lot of, clockwork bits that fit together and i don't now, think there's any obvious
1: the, and none of the time travel machinery is anything like reliable
0: yes and it's, it's a very gilliam-esque um only uh, well, vaguely kind of sex toy as well <laughs> in <laughs> a lot of aspects um but i think that is another gilliam um, thing but I, I like that it all fits together it's not it's not one of those time travel films i feel that you can immediately point to and be like well, that doesn't work because this doesn't work because that wouldn't work and that wouldn't happen. Well,
1: like, w- when you're using a, a fixed time, uh, what happens is what always happened. It is yes, a lot easier much... to write it and be consistent about it so
0: that you, it... you don't have paradoxes. Still, that's not always the case, <laughs> 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 but here it, it does hold up as, as a time travel story, which is if it didn't, that would bug me. Um, one, one of the things I like is,
1: um, there's a lot of uncertainty about what what's a genuine memory of experience and what, what what's reliable, but no, nobody
0: really havers about that.
1: They're, they're immediately saying, "Well, yeah, maybe this memory isn't reliable, but it's all I got. Therefore, it's got what I'm going to work on."
0: I agree with that. I like that because you could dwell on that and make more of it, and um, David Lynch certainly would. Um, but I, yeah, I like that. It's that we are given some. It's not all. It's not all on completely shaky ground. You're not always there are some solid, solid facts here. There are some things that you can point to and say, no, this happened and this happened. And in that sense, the other ambiguities work for me. I, I, I'm happy. I trust the film to be, um, I trust the film with the, with some unknowns because the characters don't know them, but I do feel it's not been fudged or hmm. it's not just, doesn't mean anything like mohammed bloody drive <laughs> so it's an acceptable it, it, it level. it may of not surrealism. be a, a particularly positive
1: or you know personally or generally positive story but it is at least a
0: coherent story <laughs> that's, i mean that's that's rule one isn't it um how what was your overall feeling of 12 monkeys then having sort of gone into the plot a bit
1: I think I liked it, I, I have seen this before, I, th- I think I liked yes. it less this time, having watched La Jetée just previously, which is very much the minimalist, we will tell you the, the basic essentials to establish the point we're trying to make, and then stop. Yes. Whereas yes. this is 129 minutes, and a lot of it is good, but a lot of it is also Brad Pitt mugging and ranting, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes and it, there are red herrings nothing wrong with red herrings and um, uh, you know false alleys uh, um, it, it maybe is I, I, it is over long for me I suppose of the two films I like Le I, i I'm not in I can see it is a film that people could adore and be in love with and and feel is a masterpiece. And there are certainly
1: people who do, so yeah. Yes,
0: and I totally understand that, and I, I wouldn't argue. Uh, to me, it's just vague enough and holy enough and short enough, holy in the sense that it has some holes rather than um, <laughs> holy, uh, that it doesn't quite excite my imagination enough. And, and I think, I suppose I've all, already articulated the fundamental thing about Leggette is the idea, you know, it all revolves around him watching himself get shot in the past, um, in the future. Way. And I, I just fundamentally that's sad, but I don't find it a intriguing enough idea to sort of grab and go with. And maybe that's why it doesn't quite. I, I think
1: the thing that lets that work for me is because it's short. Um, yes. we, we have a very short real time interval between. I saw this thing as a kid and oh crap I now realize that was me whereas in 12 monkeys it feels more as though it's mm. the compulsory bookend
0: I uh, yeah and it, it's, it, not it, it made... it's
1: not tied into the plot in the same way
0: yes it's it's not tied it's not massively um yeah, it, it feels a bit like, well, we have to reference this. I mean, I don't mind it. I don't mind, I don't mind it as a bookend, but I agree. It's not, it's not as interesting. I, I think what I want really is something a bit more than Leggette and a bit less than 12. keys. Um, mm. But I don't dislike either of them. I, I like both of them. Uh, I, I think...
1: on my personal scale, I'd probably rate Leggette slightly higher, but I'm, I'm not yes. going to claim either of these as a masterpiece.
0: I think that's fair as well. they both just flawed in art. Maybe if there was less Brad Pitt mug, mugging, I, I would have 12 Monkeys. I, I remember thinking of it fondly, but I never, 12 Monkeys I'm talking about now, I never quite got into it in in a, in a in the way that I've got into other sort of intriguing science fiction ideas. And so when we came back to it, I, I, I remember thinking, oh, I like that. Um, and again, I, I like it well enough. I, I think it's well, good. Well, as with Brazil, I don't think you could
1: claim there's really a coherent world behind it. I mean, you, you couldn't write a role-playing game of it.
0: <laughs> you couldn't uh, have other adventures. The world exists with this adventure. It wouldn't be much fun, would it, playing in, <laughs> in that topic. <laughs> now, on the, on the back of this, I have started watching the 12 Monkeys TV series. Yeah, um, and, and this is a thing you could write a role-playing game of.
1: It, yes. It, it does ultimately come to, to a specific conclusion about... Yeah, you know, the with about these characters and these these are the important people in the world but i could i could easily picture a time travel game in which this this was the baseline
0: but i mean the way it's done i don't really say too many spoilers largely because i'm only four or five episodes in but the, the way it works uh, is very different it this isn't a fixed timeline things can change in 12 yeah. weeks, which may, makes sense for a tv show i i don't um, think
1: you could have got four seasons out of it without that to be fair yeah
0: so i i don't mind it um and i i'm enjoying it well at that said i'm enjoying it on a sort of relatively this is nice level rather than oh i'm so into this but i'm only a few seasons in. yeah too.
1: and I, I don't know. Episode. There there are there are people who pick a specific TV series and say, this this is my life, this is the best thing ever. I've never yes. really been like that. Uh, I've done it with Babylon 5, but otherwise... <laughs> I, I've watched uh, about three and a half of the four seasons, but I basically got out of the habit of television watching.
0: Yeah. So I, at, um, at some point I'll finish it off, but... Well, I will, I may overtake it if I don't get distracted by some other shiny at some point. I, I think I'm with you really. I, I think they're both very good. They've both got their merits. I accept Le Jete as... Uh, I think it's a lot to, it's not just a cheap Hollywood cash in 12 monkeys. I think there's yeah. a lot of interesting things. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, I would rate it. them. I, I don't have a rating
1: scale. Um, no. I, I would rate them both positively. I will probably yes. watch both of them again someday, but not right yes. now. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, and neither of us particularly think they're masterpieces and I think that's, I think that's where, though I, I would not argue if someone said to me Leggette is a thing of beauty and a masterpiece, I think I'd be more, more prepared to accept that argument than I would that 12 Monkeys is. So insofar as I, I'm yeah. a bit closer to Leggette, um, I, I would. it doesn't, it isn't quite for me, but there is something about it that's kind of beautiful and I appreciate that. Hmm. Well, there we are. Uh, we're wrapping up another episode of Ribbon of Me. Assuming we have actually filmed this, this isn't another one of my delusions of false memories I've all, all I see are dead people. <laughs> that was a nice, uh, I, it felt like a joke even though it preempted them. Um, very good. Alright, it's a wrap. Oh, 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 oh,